The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us his cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand, because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still, no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, 
and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, none of us is surprised, I think, by the, by the length of the passage, right? <laughs> this is, uh, it's, it's a long passage, but uh, traditionally we do hear uh, the, the recounting of the story of the woman at the well this third Sunday of, of Lent. Yeah, I mean, of course, cycles B and C have their own, but you can use it as an option. I won't get into the weeds on that. There's plenty more to get on, into the weeds on. And of course, uh, I, I'm well aware of the fact that we, we have less time to do so this weekend, right? The shortest weekend of the year. That hour has been stolen from us, and, uh, and we, <laughs> we can't regain it. Uh, but thankfully, I went to bed very early last night, so I have all the vim and vigor of every other Sunday, <laughs> which is maybe not good news. Yeah, we're just but we'll take it as it comes. It's a, it's a beautiful passage, and the reason, of course, why I can give an extended throat clearing is because I'm not gonna get into every detail of it. This is just for us, I think, a reminder of the fact that there is power in the word. There's power in the gospel. And there's, there's so much here that happens in this particular gospel passage. We can't exhaust it. We shouldn't try. And isn't that part of actually the, the drawing of living water from God? Yeah, if we, if we go trying to exhaust the fount, uh, we, have, we have other issues. We're not going to, but we can allow the passage to speak to our hearts. So we'll, I will say, leave it to you to do a lot of the, the study and the prayer and the rest. This is a, this is a great place to start with the passage that, uh, that we have this weekend. I'm going to give, of course, a uh, a couple of words um, to, uh, to at least to frame the thing and, and to see what, what really is going on. I think it, it's, it's an amazing passage uh, for, any, for any number of reasons, and I think it focuses on Jesus's renewal of this one particular person. That itself is remarkable enough. Yeah, ordinarily, when, when Jews were making the kind of trip that Jesus and his followers were making, they would not go through Samaria. They would not go through Samaritan territory. They would be vulnerable to attacks if they did. And there were skirmishes and fights and murders and that kind of thing between Jews and Samaritans, both kind of claiming, if not the same territory, the same ground. We are, we are Abraham's true children. And the, the uh, insinuation by saying that, of course, if you didn't pick up on it, is you are not, right? We are true children of Abraham, you are not. And that kind of thing is a real kind of incendiary, inflammatory claim. So they, they, wouldn't, even, they wouldn't even go through, but Jesus and, Jesus and his followers go through, which I think is remarkable enough. What was he doing? When we hear at the end that Jesus is spending two days in this Samaritan village, that might be a clue. Right? He's going out to preach 
to reclaim all of God's people, to renew them at the core. And this woman is an advanced sign of what Jesus wants to do writ large. But his attention is not on kind of the this, this social and cultural conditions that he finds himself in. His total attention is on her. And I can't imagine what that would have been like. For her, especially. Right? Married five times. At the well. In the middle of the day. Bearing the heat of the day because she dared not go in the morning. Because that's when the other women would have been there. And they wouldn't have treated her too kindly. Yeah? And if, if nothing else, and we, we know this for ourselves, right? We know the power of giving someone the cold shoulder, right? <laughs> if that was it, it, that's brutalizing enough. Yeah. That's the woman Jesus went to seek out. That's the woman Jesus went to renew. That's the woman that Jesus intended to be his first evangelist. So maybe we're in good company. <laughs> you know? Maybe we're in good company. Yeah. What's going on? It's a, it's a playful exchange. I can only give it so much character in my recitation of the gospel, but it's, it's a playful exchange. Even, you know, even given the tensions that they find themselves in, you know, Jesus, is, Jesus is a holy man. He's a devout man. He's a Jew. Yeah, he's not supposed to be in this position. He is not supposed to be alone with a woman. Yeah, the, the cultural expectations of his day would have forbidden this. And not necessarily forbidden, but he would have found himself in, in a discreditable situation there. Messiahs don't do these kinds of things. People who are leading kingdom of God movements don't do these things. They wouldn't find themselves in this position. If they would find themselves in that position, they would get by. But to engage in, in playful banter and the rest, that's the thing, right? He's, he's going fishing. And that's sometimes the way that the exchange works. When we find that Jesus has come into our life, it's ordinarily what, what, um, not what we expect. And of course there's play. There's play because we are creatures of God our Father who delights in us. So of course our exchanges with Jesus are going to be somewhat playful when we find ourselves caught, caught up in that exchange. They're going to be intimidating. They're going to be tough. He's going to get to the heart of the matter. He's going to go places that you don't want him to go. But because everything in him is, is animated by, motivated by love, of course that exchange is, is going to be playful. Our prayer should be playful. And I say that as someone who doesn't always enjoy prayer. You know? <laughs> it's, but our prayer should be playful. And perhaps even the first thing, just as we, be, we began our season of Lent kind of reflecting on the God who delights in us and focusing, like uh, having some sense of our, uh, 
our own identity as not who we are, but whose we are. Right? So we can, we can get, that, get back into that space now and get back into that space whenever we turn to God in prayer. It might be one of the first things we have to remind ourselves of in prayer. God, you delight in me. You delight in me. I've been all over the map since we were last together, even if it's day by day. I know how this works. You know, it's like I've been, I've been all over the place, been all over the map. I did every kind of bad thing. I did, and here I am, and you delight in me. And you want nothing more than my renewal. So this is the interesting thing, right? Is Part of it is what I'm trying to do is clear the brush a little bit and say, like, what our what our minds and our hearts are drawn to in this exchange is this unworthy woman, full of sin, on the outskirts of society for a good cause. Right? Our hearts and minds are drawn to that story and go, yeah, she's really not the right kind of person. You know, sinful and the rest and whatever. And yeah, I don't, I don't really get, get that either. But if our, if our minds are trained on sin, then we're not actually seeing renewal. We're not going to see her renewal, and we're not going to have all the right doors opened to us for our renewal as well. Because this is less about her sin and, say, Jesus dealing with it, although he does, he does do it. This is more about her renewal as an image bearer. Right? She bears the divine image. She is made in God's plan to exist at the intersection of heaven and earth. Just like all of us. And it, you know, we know that I don't have to tell you that part, right? Because we know that part. We are a royal priesthood or a kingdom of priests. This is the way that the scriptures refer to the faithful, the people of God. Israel, the renewed Israel, the renewed people of God. We are, and we know by our baptism, we are priests and kings. What does it mean? It means that we live to offer earth to heaven. We live to everything that we have. We are to turn over to God in prayer and in praise. Right? We're made, we are made to offer earth to heaven. That's our priestly role. And we're called to exer be, uh, exercise that common priesthood, especially here at the Mass. But also wherever we go, we have to offer what we, what we have and what's entrusted to us, we offer to God. And we give it over to Him for His purposes. Likewise, we are made to bring heaven to earth. Right? We're bringing earth to heaven. We're bringing heaven to earth. That's our, that's our role as God's kings. Maybe queens as well, or princes and princes. I don't know what a, I don't know what the language is, but kings. Okay, we're kings. We're members of his royal priesthood. We're we are a kingdom of priests, and so we're to, we're made to exercise God's loving stewardship. What am I describing to you? Yeah, kings and priests. I'm describing to you a life of holiness and justice. I'm described, and how, of course, how do we get to the life of holiness and justice? We get there through worship and service. This is the vocation of man. It doesn't seem that interesting this morning. <laughs> no, it's not, is it? 
Are we, are we awake? Alive? Mrs. Billiter in the back is alive. Okay, good. Anybody else? Anyone want to join her? <laughs> the beautiful thing is that Jesus exists to bring dead people to life. So if, we're, if, you're, dead, if you're dead right now, okay, good. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go, right? And look, I'm not, I struggle with a lack of feedback. You, I mean, otherwise I wouldn't say anything. But it doesn't, isn't, this is not about me. This is, we, let's al- we allow our hearts to be open to what it is God. Because, of course, just the words as well, right? It's not, it's not enough. The words have to go deep, down deep, because just like the woman at the well, we have to have affected in us a renewal of who we are as human beings so that that wellspring of life wells up within us. Look at, the, look at the dynamic. If you were to stay on the level of, of sin and canceling out the sin, which is very transactional, and we're not really in that space. When we're with Jesus, we know. Why? Because he's pouring himself out to us, unworthy though we are. Yeah, if, we, if, we, if we stay in that, in that space, then at best, the woman is going to get a drink of the living water. But that isn't what happens. She comes to the fount of living water. And she is renewed according to her capacities as a king and a priest. And she finds herself as a source of living water for the people who condemned her. For the people that she couldn't go shoulder to shoulder with at the well. She goes exuberantly to proclaim the good news. Not just that the source of living water is here, but the one who makes us sources of living water is here. I didn't just go to heaven and get a chunk of it for myself. I became heaven. I became heaven for others. That's the renewal that Jesus wants to affect. So yeah, you know, are you here for yourself? Of course we're here for ourselves. We need renewal. But you're not here for yourself. Because through you, God wants to renew the entire world. He's called you to the task, and now he's equipping you to it and sustaining you in it as the fount of living water. But it's not good enough for it to stop with us. Okay, we have to to be renewed according to our kingly and priestly vocation. We have Matthew's First Holy Communion also to remind us of, of the fact is that we need constant renewal. We need, to, we need to continue to draw on the life of Christ. We need to continue to draw on the wellspring of salvation. Not so that we could be, you know, filled to satisfied, right? We're, oh, I'm so, I'm quite happy now. I did my Jesus thing, you know. No, it's not like that. We're fed with the bread of life so that we can be the bread of life for God's world. Okay? This is, this is the point, and as we, he- as we head to the cross, we have to see this, because this is what Jesus wants, us to, wants to accomplish in us and what he wants to work through us. He wants nothing, nothing other than you to find your place as, as a renewed human being in his world that is here and now being restored. Being restored, of course, not by his efforts. We participate in those efforts. I, want, I just want to make one Further point, you know how long it takes me anyway. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know why I do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, another 20 minutes. Okay, good, thanks. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to organize my thoughts. I get, okay, too much information. <laughs> I 
One more thought. There, there is a lot of the bearing of the burden in this passage. Yeah? So look, I can make it sound all nice and, and good and well and whatever, right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to become a, a wellspring of, of life. You're going to become um, a, a wellspring of heaven, right? You're going to feed people with the bread of life that you have become by participating in bread of life. Or, okay, yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy to commit ourselves to living this life of great and costly love. Where we love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our whole selves are focused on Him. That's how we lived a life of holiness and justice. We've given up the way of idolatry and injustice. We've focused on other things. We've centered on other things before. It hasn't, it hasn't affected the renewal or the success that, that we thought it would achieve. And we've brought chaos and confusion into God's world. And he's summoning us to live that, that new way of life. But it, but it comes with a cost. One, think of Jesus bearing the cost of societal scorn, ridicule, doing what is, doing what is bound to discredit him. And he's willing to do that not only for the woman at the well, he's willing to do it for you. I discredit Jesus a lot. And he's willing to come to me. He bears the burden. He bears the burden. And look what happens when the woman finds her life. She goes into the town she bears the burden. Right? Those people shoved her out. They have no care or concern for her. She, for, for them, she's a source of contamination. But now she is who she is. She is who God made her to be. She's a beloved child of God. And she runs off without a thought to bear that burden, to bear that burden out of love. So that's where we are, right? And our, our Lenten journeys, our Lenten journey is, is this, right? We're, we're aflame with the love of God. We're, we are quenching our thirst on the streams of living water that are being poured out for us in Christ Jesus. And he's making us to be a source of living water for others no matter the cost. And we can do it no matter the cost because we have the strength of his own life of love working in us and through us. We have the strength of his consolation, his love, his goodness, his kindness also right? being, being formed in our hearts and growing to full flourishing. That's what he wants, my friends. He wants nothing other than your complete renewal. And it's work that he will see through to completion. That's where our faith is. That's where our hope is. And now we, we walk that way together.